We all need encouragement, motivation, and inspiration in our life. Each week, Patty will interview guests who will motivate and inspire you through their unique personal and professional experiences. I listen, my mom listens, pretty much the whole family. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. It's drastically changed my life. All of your senses will wake up as you listen to this scrumptious podcast that is sure to tickle your eardrums. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Wake Up with Patty Catter starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Today, I have an amazing, inspirational guest. Her name is Maria Kreider. And I have been following Maria for some time on social media. Huge inspiration to me. And I know that you're going to just love hearing her story. Maria is a breast cancer survivor. But before we go into her diagnosis of breast cancer and things, I want to bring her on the show and just have her tell you a little bit about her childhood and where she grew up. And Maria, thank you for joining me. I'm happy to have you on. If you want to just dive right into your story so we don't run out of time this morning, I would love that. Hey, Patty. Thanks for having me. So um, I had a very uneventful childhood. We lived in Miami. My parents are um, first-generation Cuban immigrants. And so it was very low-key, traditional family, you know, setting. I hung out with the kids in the neighborhood. My mom was a house mom. My dad, you know, worked. You know, big family, big to do. We had four kids in the house. Wow. So that must have had a lot of exciting memories, I bet, with your siblings. I know I have some crazy stories from my childhood. What about, though, um, I just kind of want to get moving on here. So what about your teenage years? We'll kind of fast forward to that. So it just sounds like you're a normal kid with a mom who's a stay-at-home mom, and here you're approaching your teenage years. How is that? My teenage years were We moved when I was about 13 from Miami to Polk County, and I grew up, it was a very rural area. I went from being the majority to being a minority, and it was very odd. It was different for me. I'd never known that being Spanish, being Cuban was a minority. It was weird to me, like the whole concept. My freshman year of high school, I was 15. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I think my whole world like completely changed. I went from being your normal teenager to having to grow up really fast. I took my mom to every single one of her doctor's appointments, every single one of her chemos, all of her radiation treatments. It was my responsibility to take care of her and take care of the household while my dad worked and earned a living. And that had to be a lot because I know my mom had breast cancer and it was extremely hard for me as an adult to go to all of those appointments with my mom when I was able to, you know, she lived kind of far, but when I was able to go with her to her appointments, it was extremely difficult. So did your mom recover from breast cancer or how, how did that go? My mom had a good year and a half of being NED, you know, no evidence of disease and it being considered in remission. It had come back as leukemia. So she had a blood uh, disorder. At that point, I was 17 and had gotten permission from my mom to go ahead and move out of the house and and become an adult. Because I I mean, at that point, I'd been an adult for several years, I think. Mm -hmm. So she never told me how bad it was. I had moved to New Jersey. She passed away when I was 18, the day after my 18th birthday. And that really messed with me. Yeah, I would say so. That's extremely hard to deal with. 
I lost my mom in 2015 from breast cancer and you know, I'm in my forties and I cannot imagine being a teenager still and having to deal with all that. That's extremely difficult. So not long after your mom passed away, I know you, sounds like you fell in love. Is that right? Well, I fell in love long before that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I met my now husband when I was 15 and he was oh. working at Disney with my mom. He was an adult, you know, army veteran. I was completely invisible to him, but I was infatuated. I told my mom when I was about 17 or so that I was going to have that man's baby. And she's like, you're crazy. Something's going to happen. And I said it. I called it. And so we got married. And at that point, we had our first son. And, you know, my mom had already passed away. But, like, I would secretly go, like, I told you. I told you it was going to (laughs) happen. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So, so you're 23, married. Mm-hmm. You did you have a child at this point, or we did. We had we had Tristan. He's seven now. We had Tristan in August, and we got married in December. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you're just kind of sailing along now, right? You think probably that everything is good. I would say, right? Yeah, everything was kosher. I was working. He was a student. Um, once Tristan was born, we kind of switched roles a little bit and I stayed home while he went to work and everything was just chugging along. We were planning on buying a house in a couple of years, you know, planning, setting everything aside and getting our ducks in a row. We purchased our house in 2015. And then shortly after that, we had our second child. And then in 2016, I found out that I was pregnant and then on top of breast cancer, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. So how old were you then? 27. Okay. So at 27 years old, you're pregnant and you find out you have breast cancer. Yep. How does, I mean, how did you find out that you had breast cancer? I was nursing my second son who was nine months old at the time. So pregnancy number three was a surprise. I was nursing him and I had this lump in my chest and it felt kind of weird. And I had been struggling with feeding and feeling like I wasn't producing enough milk and, you know, the typical new mom stuff. Mm -hmm. And I brought it up to my primary physician and my primary physician felt it, analyzed it. And he was like, well, you're still breastfeeding. And by the way, you're pregnant. um, So it's probably nothing. Mm -hmm. And he blew me off. Mm -hmm. And so I let it go for about a month or so. Um, until I had my first OB appointment to make sure that this pregnancy was okay. I mentioned it to the, med- the midwife. She did her physical, you know, exam. And she's like, well, you're, you know, your primary might be right. It might be nothing. But because of your family history with breast cancer, to radiology and have them do an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. It's fairly safe in the pregnancy. We do it all the time. It's no big deal. If they feel like it needs to be addressed, then I will give them permission for a mammogram. They have an apron, your baby will be safe. So you go for this ultrasound. During the ultrasound, um, I know I've had ultrasounds before on my breasts, and they're able to tell you, you know, kind of right there what's going on a little bit. Were, when you had your ultrasound, did you leave there knowing that there was something wrong, or did they yeah. make you wait? Mm-hmm. They so, made me wait. They made me wait. They didn't give me an official anything. But as she was doing the ultrasound and examining, 
she kept making faces at the screen. The tech was mm-hmm. kept making faces. And I knew in my gut something was wrong. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't tell me. She's like, I'm just a tech. I'm going to go get the radiologist and have him look at it. And then he'll let you know if something is up. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, fine. And at that point, I took a picture with the screen selfie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> Whatever this is, it's not good. Mm-hmm. The radiologist came in and he said, we're going to send you to do a mammogram. Your doctor's already given us permission. And I said, okay, so what is it? He goes, I don't know what it is. It's a lump. We need to take a better look at it. I said, okay. And like, I was like, okay, well, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay positive, but in the back of my mind, I know it's not good. Mm-hmm. It was big. Yeah. And you're here with two small children pregnant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm with a facing a breast cancer diagnosis. Um, yep. And then in the back of your head, you have your mom's history. And that's, that already is going to play so big yep. in your life. I mean, I know it must've just been the most stressful time of your life and you shouldn't have that much stress when you're pregnant. So how were you finally told that it was breast cancer? I went we did the mastectomy, the, excuse me, the um, mammogram immediately. I wasn't told any information. From that appointment, I received a phone call from my doctor, and she said, I need you to go to get a biopsy done. They did the biopsy, and then within 24 hours, I mean, it was fast, I would received a phone call from the doctor herself, and she said, can you come into the office? And I said, yeah, is everything Okay. She was like, well, I'd, I'd rather talk to you in person. And I was like, okay. And I got off the phone. I was like, I'm on my way. I hung up and hauled butt with the kids to the doctor's office. I knew already them wanting me to come in, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor took me in right away. I didn't even have to wait in the lobby a whole lot, you know, very long. And she's like, well, your results are in. It is invasive ductal carcinoma, uh, triple negative meaning it doesn't have the hormone receptors that most breast cancers have. And I was like, okay, well, what does this mean? I don't have, you know, pardon my French, but I don't have time for this shit. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, you're going to have to make time because it's serious and you've got kids that you need to be here for. I'm like, I know I'm here for them. That's why I don't have time for this. Like, what's the plan? Can we just chop them off and get going with my day? And she was like, no, it's a little more complicated than that. And she gave me a referral to the oncologist. She's like, I've worked with this one before. He connects with Moffitt Cancer Center. They they partner up and you'll have a big team of doctors. I had no idea that my big team of doctors consisted of 16 plus individuals. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was big. Mm-hmm. I went home with all this information and all these future appointments to come and meet the, the breast surgeon, the oncologist, the reconstruction surgeon, everybody. I had appointments for meet and greets with everybody. And so I went home with all this literature on my desk with all this stuff. And I felt like my brain had been removed from my body, tossed in a blender on high. I was not able to focus. I wasn't able to process anything. It was just like being in limbo. So I've never met somebody who was pregnant with cancer. Neither have I. 
until when I met the oncologist, he said, you're my third patient currently pregnant with breast cancer. Hmm. You're my 100th patient pregnant with breast cancer. Wow. Mm -hmm. So obviously, I mean, I'm not a physician nor trained medical professional, but I can imagine that you having breast cancer would be very dangerous for your baby that you were carrying. Yeah. In the first trimester, chemo is not an option. You're either choosing to terminate and do chemo or keep your baby and delay chemo a little bit. And it's only until trimester. I was diagnosed at 11 weeks along. So I was almost done with my first trimester. So the wait between starting chemo and finishing, you know, that first trimester was only a few days. I started chemo December 15th, right before Christmas. And it was planned so that I wouldn't feel utterly sick on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We had scheduled it that way so that I would be somewhat okay for the other two, you know, so that the kids wouldn't know that mom was sick. And what did your doctor say about you being pregnant? I mean, did they put in their two cents and say, you know, you should terminate, hurry up and, you know. That was actually, I think, one of the first questions I asked the oncologist because everybody up until that point had told me to just wait. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to hurry up and cross that bridge. Mm -hmm. And so the oncologist said, you don't have to terminate your pregnancy if you don't want to. I cried at that point. Like, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to cry now. No. Um, I cried. Relief, you know, relieved that I didn't have to give up my baby. And so I felt relieved that I didn't have to give him up. I've, I've always wanted three kids. And I know that after chemo, chances of you being able to get pregnant again are slim to nil. Um, what would you what would you tell other women out there who may have a breast cancer diagnosis that I mean may be listening maybe they're pregnant what is something that you would tell them if you could talk to your doctor but get a second opinion I went to Moffitt after I met with got a second opinion from another oncologist there and she was she assured me that they've had hundreds of patients with breast cancer who are able to keep their baby safely do chemo and have surgery and their babies are, are fine. And the original onco oncologist set me up. He, you know, completely violated HIPAA, I guess, giving me the phone number and name of these two moms who were currently his patients to connect with. And one of them, she's no longer with us, uh, sent me a Facebook request to join a Facebook group for a support group for moms with breast cancer or moms with any cancer, actually. Mm -hmm. It is the Kick-Ass Cancer Mamas, mm -hmm. and it is a closed group specifically for women who are pregnant with cancer or recently diagnosed with babies. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you went ahead with chemo? I had surgery before I started chemo. Um, November 4th, I had... A, a unilateral mastectomy, just the, just the cancer side was removed. And how long did you have chemo? Uh, it felt like forever. Mm -hmm. I did four cycles of adriamycin and cytoxin during the pregnancy, and they were done every three weeks. And where were you in your pregnancy when you were finishing chemo? Did I mean, 
how did that work? You start chemo while you're pregnant. I started chemo in the second trimester. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished it in the year just about four weeks before being due. Wow. Yeah. So it was and, perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And I remember your posts on Facebook of you with no hair. You were gorgeous, by the way. Um, and you're literally going through your whole, you know, your story on Facebook, sharing it with your family and friends. And I'm glad I was a part of that because you were so strong and courageous, even, you know, even when I'm sure you didn't feel like it. No, and I still don't. I still don't. I shared all of that publicly on Facebook and Instagram because I wanted, I was the only person I'd known with breast cancer that was pregnant mm-hmm. um, up until being introduced to these other two moms. And so I thought either this is very rare and people don't know about this, or this is entirely too popular and people need to know about this. It needs to be brought to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never known anybody with um, any type of cancer um, while they were pregnant. So where can people follow you on social media? Do you still have your story public? It is still public. It is on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is just my name, Maria Kreider. And then on Instagram, it's MS underscore Kreider. Okay. All right. And what is something that you would tell all of our listeners who have a loved one who is dealing with cancer right now? What would you tell them would be the most helpful thing that they could do for their loved one? Honestly, just being there. When I was very ill and I didn't want to get out of bed, Brandon made me get up and get a shower and get dressed. And we would go out and walk either the mall or the park or Disney just to get out and walk, not wallowing in self-pity and feeling bad for you know myself. Mm-hmm. And so just to help birth through it, get them up, get them moving, even though they don't want to move, get up and get moving. It's good for your mental health. Mm-hmm. And today your son is how old? The one that you were pregnant with? He's two. (laughs) And what are, you know, what could you tell our listeners as we wrap up the show today, how you're feeling? Like, how are you feeling today about where are you in your diagnosis? Are you in remission? I am. No evidence of disease. They don't, they don't use remission, I guess, for liability reason or, or whatever. It's not used. NED, NED means no evidence of disease. So essentially, I am cancer-free at the moment. Mm-hmm. Monday was my third, the 21st was my third year anniversary from diagnosis. And so I have just two more years. Well, my five-year anniversary, that chance for survival goes up just a little bit more. When they say that triple negative breast cancer, once you clear the five years of it coming back, are very slim. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I have not. I would read your book. I'm just saying. I would need somebody to write it for me because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I can talk that. about it all day. But putting my thoughts to paper, it would just be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, we can talk about that. I may know somebody who could help you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining my show today. I'm really happy that you did, Maria. I don't know if you even realized until today what a big impact you had on my life. Like I said, I lost my mom in 2015 and I remember your diagnosis 
Maria and I had connected because both of our spouses were in the military and military veterans. And I just remember watching your whole journey and just like cheering you on in my, you know, in my head. (laughs) I didn't know quite what to say. I mean, that's another thing. What, What do people say to their friends who are facing such a big giant in their life. Do you have any words of wisdom on that? Because sometimes I'm just so speechless. I just don't know what to say other than, you know, I'm here for you, but yeah, I'm here for you. It's a lot. Actually being there is more, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to know what to say. Just, just show up. Mm -hmm. My grandmother would come and visit and just sit on the couch. Mm -hmm. Not really talk about anything. Just sit and spend time. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Maria. And um, you all can find her on Facebook, Maria, M-A-R-I-A, Kreider. It's C-R-I-D-E-R. Isn't that, is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And I thank hope you, you for having me. You're welcome. Oh, my goodness. Um, I hope everybody just goes out and has a positive day and connect with Maria. Uh, ladies, if you're out there and you need somebody to connect with, then... Um, I hope you were as inspired by Maria's story as I was. Thank you. Thanks, Patty. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Be sure to visit www.pattycatter.com for the latest podcasts, articles, and swag. Also, be sure to follow Patty on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Patty Catter. At Patty Catter.